0: After this brief intro, you'll hear the audio from our latest live Instagram Q&A. Our live sessions are so much fun. We basically Mm -hmm. show up and connect, commiserate, and build skills alongside our upbringing community. Folks write in ahead of time or chime in with questions and struggles around kids' big feelings and challenging behaviors. We typically explore five to 15 questions and offer our take, our instincts, our goals, helpful phrasing, and ways to parent with alignment and integrity using our resist approach. Thank you for being here and for supporting us. And if you'd like to give your family and upbringing some extra support, please visit our website at upbringing.co to learn about our upcoming membership community, as well as our shop, which is now full of informative guides and inspiring prints based on everything we've shared here on the podcast these past two years. Wow, two years. (laughs) Thanks for growing up alongside us, one conversation at a time. Here we go. hello Hey everyone i'm hannah this is pilty we're upbringing we're here live um, to talk about the hard stuff why it's the good stuff our beautifully sensitive and spirited kids big feelings and challenging behaviors our big feelings and challenging behaviors as parents how can we align right as progressive people and parents doing the discipline getting through the day-to-day yeah it's been a minute yeah we've, we've been done a live for a bit. we've been going through a lot of transition ourselves. our kids have too oh my god we could we could talk the whole uh, video and uh podcast here about what we've been going through moves, school shit with our kids big feelings um stressors, health stuff like so many things um, but we would rather talk about you. what's going on with you everyone? what's happening? please type in something you're struggling with in terms of big feelings and challenging behaviors we want to. Really briefly acknowledge our privilege in getting to talk about this, and getting to um, be cis, straight, able-bodied, white women um, able to think about this, able to make this our work, able to be uh, working on our parenting in this way. And we're grateful that you're here joining us um, for all the all the things, all the reasons. So great to see all these faces popping up here. We're really behind on our DMs, also. Mm-hmm. So if you've got something going on that you DM'd us about. Please mention it here if you can, and we will talk about it um, while we're here. It's been, it's been a lot lately. Yeah. We've got a few spots left really quick in our Spirited Kids Club for the month of October. So four sessions, small group coaching, check out our website before October 5th. You have to sign up. So Mm -hmm. that's where we're at with that. Um, But other than that, we're just going to rant and riff a little bit until people maybe type in something that's happening with sibling conflict or hygiene issues or bedtime transitional stuff or resistance going to school, big feelings, mean words, aggression. Those are all the things that we love talking about. Those are things that we struggle with as parents as well, with our own kids who are four, five, six, seven, or now they're actually another five, seven, five, seven. Yeah. Um, yeah that we all struggle with. We see you, mm-hmm. we see your struggle, um, and uh, we're, we're kind of buoyed and strengthened by knowing that you're going through these things too, that we're all rewriting these, these um, inherited legacies of control. We're all striving to grow up and develop personally as people and as parents as we're helping our kids build skills, mm-hmm. right? That's the work is, is that is within that acknowledgement that we have just as much work to do, if not more than our kids do. I think a lot of people come to this with those pain points being like, I need to fix my kid. I need to get my child to do or to stop doing. And so much of our work is about examining our own behaviors, the impact of our behaviors, the way that we show up in relationship with our kids. So that work in the moment, that work relationally and being, and being able to think about the ways that that's connecting back to the traditions of our forefathers, the ways that we're healing a lot of trauma Mm -hmm. and thinking too the ways that we're changing that legacy, thinking about the people coming after us, you know, Mm -hmm. our descendants. It's so weird being like our descendants. That sounds so insane in some ways, but no, we're thinking Mm -hmm. about the past. We're thinking about the present. We're thinking about the future. Mm -hmm. And we're trying to just be on our game, be building awareness, be building skills to reconcile those and to integrate them, right? The past, served us in some ways our families didn't serve us in some ways the present is fucking hard Mm -hmm. and it's fucking beautiful and the future is yet to be written and so what are we going to do how are we going to reconcile the past that our families have given us our culture's given us with the present the values that we have the family that we're in right how we want to roll differently maybe and what's that going to create for the future that's why we parent for sanity and social change right yeah so we've got a couple little things that people have written in here Let's see, uh, my five-year-old doesn't <clears throat> wanna use the potty before bed anymore. Nothing new is going on and I've tried everything. Please help. Oh, oh I hear that. Mm-hmm. I have a five-year-old who often is like, nope, don't wanna go pee, nope, not gonna go. And I, I'm like, you just chugged five glasses of water. You're getting in your bed. This is so hard knowing what's going I know gonna exactly happen. what's gonna happen. Exactly. I know what's gonna happen. <laughs> But so much about um, potty, training, toileting, just like with food, just like with sleep, just like with dressing. All of those are topics of consent, right? So those are the things that we want to be showing our kids, your body, your choice. If you don't want to pee, you don't have to pee. If you have to, if you wet the bed, I'm going to take care of that because that's my job as your parent. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to be building, you know, context around it. We're going to keep an open dialogue in in a way, not a shamey way so last night I had to change the sheets five times. So mm-hmm. you need to pee tonight, right? That's what goes through my mind in those moments. And I don't even do the heavy lifting in the middle of the night stuff as much as my partner, Justin does. He's yeah. the one layering. Like literally, this is something that he does is like sheet pee blanket or pee like kind of pad sheet, pee pad, sheet pee pad. And then when he comes in or one of the kids, he come, one of the kids come in, He goes in, he removes one of the layers. Now it's a fresh layer. Lie down. A lot of laundry. Mm -hmm. I think so much about this is saying like something that our kids used to do, they're not doing anymore. What the fuck? This is throwing (laughs) a wrench in our smooth plans, right? This is throwing a wrench in my night if I have to support this child in a different way. Mm -hmm. And it's so hard to think of these things not in this regression lack mindset, but in just a way of acceptance Mm -hmm. of saying this is what it is right now. And I think when we can accept and look at it with acceptance, we're able to get curious about it and wonder why is a five-year-old not wanting to go to the bathroom anymore? Mm -hmm. Is it that something going on with them, their body, the night routine? Mm -hmm. Is it with the usual cues they get from me as the parent, all of a sudden feels oppressive to them, or they Mm -hmm. want to push back against? What is it? What's going on? And I think that's when we accept that this isn't wrong and terrible that allows us to get curious and to engage and innovate. Ask them, what's up? What's why don't you want to go to the bathroom? What's mm-hmm. up? You don't, you know, you don't have to right? but this and this, and then finding out and thinking to me, why is this a problem for me? Right? Mm-hmm. Is it because I don't want to, I have a worry that they're going to wake up in the middle of the night and have to go to the bathroom. What's the plan then? I have to just innovate i'm gonna have to put some extra work in here yeah. what about what does this all mean and it's okay i think i just want to normalize this that when mm-hmm. shit changes up it's okay and when kids it's resist us so yeah. when they won't go pee when you know we're, we're going on this long car drive i are gonna need to go or we're gonna go to bed and you just drink five glasses of water or i know what's best for you it's, it's saying i see down the line and i think those are the moments that we have to run the resist approach and really connect authentically and say you don't feel like going. I get that. Okay. Yes. I'm validating your experience and validating your right to resist and advocate for your own body. My concern, that's the sync up step of the resist approach, which you can download on our <clears> website, <throat> website is that if you do, then you might pee in the middle of the night. Some And, and, the, and sometimes my son will be like, I don't care. I don't care if I pee in the middle of the night. I'm like, okay, totally. You know, that's not your job to care. But my concern is sometimes, wakes you up a little bit because we have to take your pants off and your stuff off. It's uncomfortable for you. And it's uncomfortable for you. And like maybe you were in like deep sleep and you were like having the best dream. we're so cozy. And then the pee happened and you came in. So I'm just trying to think about how you can be the most rested. So like when we do on the trampoline today or when we go visit so-and-so today, you have as much energy and as much rest as you need. So, and that might be, a five-year-old might be like, I don't care. And and that's the preempting conversation Mm -hmm. where we're at the beginning of this timeline of a situation with our kids when they're resisting something that used to be happening or something we want to happen, like going pee before bed Mm -hmm. or doing homework before watching TV Mm -hmm. or, you know, um, getting dressed before they do their Legos before school. It, It doesn't matter what this is. Right. But I think so much about it is saying, we have to allow our kids to learn and they learn by doing, they learn by experiencing. And mm-hmm. so much about our work as parents, we like to say, I already know what's gonna happen, I can see 10 And then we ahead. like to say, I told you so. Right, oh sure. But we, yeah. we try to preempt all this stuff when our kids are saying, no, 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 mom, let me experience this. Let me drag you kicking and screaming through this process of my learning, which is very much tactile, which is mm-hmm. very much experiential right? That is not just you giving me a little lecture about the pros and cons mm-hmm. of peeing or not peeing before bed, but I need to experience it. And then that gives us the opportunity to experience it with our kid as best we can without shaming, blaming, mm-hmm. losing our shit. And then after, so Kelsey talked about the, the pre-conversation, we can have that post-conversation circle back, like mm-hmm. we say, where we get in and say, how did it cool last night? So you mm-hmm. had all that water. You didn't want to pee. It happened in the middle of mm-hmm. the night. What do you want to do about that next time? And I'm see what they pretty, want to I'm say. I'm pretty tired from waking up and you couldn't get comfortable. <clears throat> and, but that's a natural consequence. That's how learning happens yeah. is that our kids experience it. They wear shorts instead of pants, they fall down and scratch their knee, mm-hmm. right? Because us just telling them if you fall down you'll scratch your knee wasn't enough. They have mm-hmm. to live their fucking lives, mm-hmm. right? And I think that's a huge spectrum that we don't necessarily acknowledge going into situations about safety, about comfort, about anything is, you know, we preempt them in a way and then we have to circle back, but it's just, it's a hard thing to say, let it play out. If this isn't life or death, I'm going to let it play out. I'm going to bite my tongue. I'm going to maybe say, I wonder if you might pee in the night, or I wonder if you might slip down that the edge of that and scrape your knee. I don't know if you will, but the number of times I hear at the park, don't do that, it's unsafe. Don't do that, you'll hurt yourself. And it makes, it makes me so upset being like, you don't know that's gonna happen. And mm-hmm. that's what our spirited kids tell us. You're undermining is, their learning you don't opportunity. You don't know that I'll fall. Mm-hmm. You're saying that I will fall? Well, watch me, I won't fall. And then it's like, you're daring them and they're daring you back, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know if anyone can identify or relate to that our with cons- a spirited kid. Our concerns aren't reality. Yeah. And I think that's the thing is saying, reality is allowing our kids to live and learn through these situations and if we don't want to change their bed sheet or don't want to get up in the middle of the night then we have to reckon with that and communicate that honestly rather than putting more pressure on them to do something that's going to make our lives easier Mm -hmm. right and I think a five-year-old, I think a lot of five-year-olds start resisting things that they've been just doing. I'm going to eat the broccoli. My mom Mm -hmm. tells me I'm going to go potty before bed. I'm going to put my jacket on. I'm going to do all these things. And then it can happen at three, can happen at five. All of a sudden they're like, no, 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 don't, don't fucking tell me what to do here. And I think so much about this is saying their resistance is great information that we need to adjust the power dynamic Mm -hmm. in this moment, in this way. And say, I've been maybe leaning a little hard and they're not liking that. How can I entrust them with something that is pertinent Mm -hmm. to their body and their life and let them learn through this? Or maybe we as parents haven't been leaning hard and kind of Mm -hmm. do, 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 do this, need you to do this, need you to do that. And they're resisting. Maybe they're just feeling stress from other things like new school. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of our kids are feeling so much more anxiety being in new situations with new people, new dynamics, all these things. So when they come back into their home life, it was very routinized. It was very comfortable, right? It was very predictable. They push on that Mm -hmm. because they don't feel safe pushing in a school Mm -hmm. atmosphere or a daycare atmosphere, whatever Mm -hmm. it is, or, or they're so stressed. They just Mm
1: -hmm. push back. Just
0: end of the day. Last night I was in bed and I had a bunch of tea and I was like, I don't want to get up, but I know if I get up if I don't go to the bathroom now, I'm going to have to go in the middle of the night. Oh, but I was reckoning with the same thing as a (laughs) five-year-old being like, I don't want to do this, but it's cold. Like I don't Mm -hmm. want to get up of where I was. And Mm -hmm. I think again, getting curious and connecting with your child about why don't you want to go? Mm -hmm. Is it because the way I'm telling you to, is it because you're cold, you're warm and comfy. So we should do this earlier. Mm -hmm. Is it that you drank too much, but it's just too, you're too tired. So Mm -hmm. we should maybe limit the liquids Like, what can we do? But I'm trusting in your feeling of not wanting to do it right now. And let's explore that. Because if we can engage curiously, non-judgmentally, humorously with our kids around these daily resistances, they're going to be able to engage with themselves in this way. As they get older, they're going to be able to ask themselves, why don't I want to go to the gym today? Mm -hmm. Or why can't I file that TPS report? Or Mm -hmm. why can't I call my mother-in-law and I'm just like putting that shit off? Like, what's going on inside? Mm -hmm. Instead of feeling this like grind culture pressure to do things they don't want to do or hiding and being in denial and avoiding things, we want to find that middle way with our kids, if that makes sense. I think that's that little voice on our shoulder that's like, why would I bend over backwards to make this before bedtime peeing or this uh, Mm -hmm. play cleanup before homework or this whatever it is before a friend's house or any transitional thing that we need our kids to do? Why would I make that fun? Collaborative. I have to think of all these ideas Uh to do it for them. Right. And I think those are those moments. Like you just said, Hannah, those are the investment moments. They're all good skills. We're not being the doormat. We're not going overboard for our kids in those moments. We're building skills through innovation so they can be problem solving their way through resistance, inner resistance Mm -hmm. through every age of their life. I think this goes back to our belief, our goal and our role, which we talk about in our spirited kids club, which is open for October right now. Um, you can check it out in our shop, but we start with our belief, our goal and our role. And I think so often we're like our goal and our, our goal, our belief is that teeth should get brushed or peeing should happen before bed or homework must happen, mm-hmm. or you got to l- l- brush your hair before you go out of the house or Whatever that resistance to those is bad or that those things that's yeah. bad. Conflict is bad, resistance is bad. And then our goal in these moments is like peeing has to happen. Mm-hmm. That's the learning opportunity is like habit formation must happen. do the homework, pick up the toys, right. brush those That's teeth. the teaching moment. And so then our role is to be that enforcer and mm-hmm. it's not fun. And it creates more distance from our kids, learning from themselves, from our relationship. Mm-hmm. Right. And we have to flip all of that and say, Oh my God, this is not about peeing before bed. Our ultimate, belief, goal, and role is saying our child's choice and their bodies. And let's invest in that learning experience. Not that it just get done, but that we understand why and how and why not. And what about this? And what about that? It Mm -hmm. does take more time and talk about a kid being tired before bed and not having the wherewithal (laughs) to take a piss. Like we don't have the wherewithal as parents to walk them through all of these steps and scaffolding. Yeah. But I also want to just say that as someone who has sensitive and spirited kids, who's been through those kind of quote unquote, sliding doors moments of if I react this way and interact this way, here's how it usually plays out. Versus here, if I react and interact this way, here's how it tends to play out. Going the route of controlling our kids' bodies around sleep, brushing teeth, showering, brushing hair, picking up toys, doing their homework, putting something away, whatever it is, through control, does not go well. It basically never goes well. And so I think that our, our work as parents so much is mentally taking some data, right? Keep a little camera in the back of your head on your shoulder being like, I'm watching this. How did that play out? Okay. I approached it a different way. How did that play out? Right? If I either connect work the resist approach, use some humor, ask them what they need. If they have any ideas or fucking let it go for the night group, yeah, That tends to go better. And I think that that's what we all need right now, both for parents and for mm-hmm. kids, is for things to feel and go better. Mm-hmm. And basically the way t- toward that is by controlling less and trusting and connecting more. Mm-hmm. So if, if that could be like, the one thing that we communicate to all of you that we're also trying to do is let go. Trust more, connect more, laugh more, joke more, <clears throat> control less. Letting the teeth go, letting Let the go before bed, go letting the homework go. Letting the things go is okay. You're not being a bad parent and you're not raising a bad child. You can still process later. You can regroup with a partner or listening relationship or therapist, or just on your own to say, what can I do to help engage them through connection instead of through control? Right? Because that's connection is what has the long-term benefits, the lasting effects on habits, on sense of self, on relationship, mm-hmm. on all of these it things. Ultimately feels better in the moment. More often than not, it feels better. Yeah. Someone said, five and a half year old I've been working with on expressing his emotions in safe ways. Lately I see it quote unquote click before he hits, throws, or damages something. Okay. And I want to offer alternatives that are safe, but I'm <clears throat> uh so go further down. Mm-hmm. Still on learning the messages I've received about anger and I'm working to make it okay, but safe, what can mm-hmm. I offer? Yeah. yeah. I think so much about, we. Uh, that's a huge section we do in our spirited kid clubs, which we're like, it's like one week, one whole two hour session. We talk about mm-hmm. physical aggression and verbal aggression. And I think so much about it, like you said, is is unlearning and relearning that anger is okay. And that all of these things are okay. And that our job, um, our role, like we like to say is to just keep everybody safe and to help learning happen by creating security around a conflict and around a need. Instead of focusing on the behavior, we're focusing on what's going on underneath. And I love that you're thinking of alternatives. So you're Mm -hmm. saying what you're feeling is great and needing is great. What your body is feeling is okay, but what can we do so that you can hit something that's not damaging a person or property? That's all so good. And I think so much of that work happens outside of the moment. It doesn't Mm -hmm. happen in the moment. Because in the moment there's no thinking that takes place for a child that's losing their shit, just like mm-hmm. the same with adults, right? We're not in our thinking brain, we're mm-hmm. in, in our reactionary survival brain, right? So I think so much about it is modeling that really well, is talking about it beforehand and being like, what would we do if this happens? Sometimes I get this way and da, da 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 da. What's our plan, right? And then after processing, oh, it was hard today. How'd it go for you? We're circling back both ends of the timeline not just in the middle moment where shit goes down right how'd it go for you what was going on what do you need right then you're one to mm-hmm. hit i couldn't let you hit your brother or i couldn't let you hit that vase yeah oh what can we do next time and thinking of those strategies and moments when they're not upset that they can start doing it my daughter had a squishy pillow and if i'd given her a squishy pillow when she was freaking out she would have like squished my face with that pillow right mm-hmm. So much about it was talking about it beforehand, like, you get upset sometimes, we all do, what would work? And she's like, I want to squeeze something. I was like, great, we're at New Seasons, here's this little log squeeze pillow. Mm-hmm. She was like, that. And then we figure it out, we talk about it, and we integrate it into this dysregulation situation, if that makes sense. Yeah, but I just want to reiterate too, I love that that this parent has been working with their kid and yeah. they're seeing that it's clicking before it. Their son hits or does those mm. things. And I just want to make sure that our conversations with our kids about their big feelings and challenging behaviors and hitting and all those things isn't shaming in a way their impulse to do those things because their impulse is 100% great. Yeah. Kids of any age, because of the development that's going on in their prefrontal cortex, it's okay that they want to hit. It's okay they want to scream. It's okay they want to destroy something. Mm. That impulse becomes to destroy. I don't want to be using the word safe or safety to my child in a cautionary, shameful way to say you have to be Or Can your anger be safe or what you're doing is what you're safe. doing isn't safe. I yeah. think safe needs to be our word. How can I keep people safe? How can I make a space that's safe? Or How reflecting I, you weren't feeling safe in your body in that moment. Right? Totally. But not from an external but focus, but our, an internal focus. Right. It's, it's not our kid's job to be safe or keep other kids safe all the time. No. It is not their job. Not so how I, they just wanna, I just want to, I just want to reiterate that. Even though we have that feeling often, you got to be safe around your brother mm-hmm. or you need to keep your little sister safe, or yeah. you're, you're using behaviors that aren't safe around others. Right? I think that we can debrief in a way that's just, you weren't feeling safe. So you hit, they weren't feeling safe. So they yelled. Oh, safety is something we all need, which is basically comfort, security, love. And that's something we're all seeking. So when you're having a lot of feelings and you're feeling unsafe, mm-hmm. how can you express yourself in a way that or find safety? I don't know. I, just, what is your I don't body even like mean? the idea of coaching kids to, to express themselves that, in a way that feels like less scary to us. I don't think it would like, be about expressing. I would say in those moments when you're feeling uncomfortable in your body, you're mm-hmm. unsafe in your body what can I do to help you feel safe? Yeah. Can I give you a hug and squeeze you? Yeah. Can we go punch those pillows over there and you have a pillow corner? But that's that's, that's what it is Get is outside for fresh helping air. helping our kids feel safe themselves instead of talking about their behaviors as unsafe. Yeah. Cause, because that just feels shamey and behaviorist. Mm-hmm. Um, so keep up the great work and keep up those moments of checking because when our kids are hitting each other or yelling or harming each other, we are able to support and reroute those impulses if we're there safely Mm -hmm. in a secure way in a non-judgmental loving vibe to reroute the impulse. I'm going to stop your hand. I'm going to create some space. Mm -hmm. So when they get that feeling of they're rerouted by us in a loving way to calm their bodies mm -hmm. and go, Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. I'm going to turn toward this pillow thing, or I'm going to go get some space or whatever it is. But again, it's an ongoing conversation And again, I love that, Kelty, that you bring it up. Don't pathologize our kids in this moment. Mm -hmm. They're the victims in these moments if they're actually going to learn. And not victim like they can't do anything wrong and whatever, but we don't want to make them aggressors in these moments. We have to understand that they're just needs, that they're trying to get met based on their brain development currently. So. What do we got next? Someone says, my issue is I'm alone with my kids with no support right now. My issue oh. is they freak out when I want to go into a room by myself to breathe and recalibrate. That is so hard. Yeah. I oh hear my that. gosh. Yeah. So we just recently moved. We have a toxic mold in our home and had to move out as we were on a little vacation and discovered all of this and never went home. And my kids are in a new place and it's been really hard. And my son is literally like, come with me in the bathroom. I'm going to be over here. Like has to She's be not so used to close. That. I'm not used to it. <laughs> My kids usually play really independently for long periods of time. They do well, but it's been so hard for me to just be like, I, I have to fucking be alone for a minute. Also, we took them out of um, their public charter school And so we're currently unschooling until we find the next place home all day. So we're home all day and it has been a lot for me. So I'm not making this about me, but I'm saying, oh my God, I can relate to that feeling of helplessness, of feeling caged, of feeling Mm -hmm. um, just so like, you can't be in your own mind, in your own body for any amount of time. And then if you try to do that, if you try to assert that boundary, you're punished for it, they're punished Mm -hmm. for it. There's a lot of drama around it. Yeah, I think the number one thing I would recommend is taking that time and space before things are going sideways. And I think that that's something that we're kind of all growing into learning as we have sensitive and spirited kids or kids going through a stressful moment or all of us going through stress is okay. Didn't really feel that good when everyone was fighting and I came in this way or everyone was needing things at the same t- time. And I knew that I have to put a personal boundary up. I need to go into the bathroom and then they're ba- like banging at the, at the doors right. or um, clawing on or going around. My kids will like go around the side of the house and try oh, to yeah. go through the windows and all the things. So <clears throat> all great feedback. Yeah. So all wonderful things to be like, okay, that didn't go that great. Okay. When I, when I kind of came into consciousness about how I was feeling somatically, here's how that went. Mm -hmm. Okay. So how can I back that up? Like we talk about in spirited kids club so much. How can I back that timeline up a little bit? How was I feeling five minutes before that? Okay. Things were like less slippery, slidey. I was feeling a little bit more regulated. I was breathing a little bit. I was starting to think this could be challenging. I'm not sure what's happening or that's surprising that they're doing this and this person is doing this or whatever. That's a great time next time. So, this can be informing our next time, which is always going to be happening. How am I going to engage that way? Can I take a break before I'm frustrated? Can I take a break before I yell? Can I take a break before one of them is screaming and needing me? Can I take a break of just what we call a preliminary timeout, mm-hmm. self directed timeout when we want to send our kids to their room? We say, I love you so much. You know what? I'm struggling to support you, or I need to take a quick break. I'll be Back, love you. And we just kind of fade out, phase out, ghost out, whatever it is, before they come knocking down the door, barreling it down, right, and needing us. And I think that in those moments that we are realizing we couldn't do that, <laughs> we got kind of ambushed by the situation, lock that door, close that door, and use that time for good. I think so hard, so often it's hard to to be on the other side of the door when the kids are banging on it or wanting to come in. And I think, what's their problem? Or I can't even step away for one second or all these thoughts go through my head. I don't know if it's something that you can relate with. And I think that I've tried to coach myself into saying, when I walk in and I lock the door, I lie down right away. I pull my knees up to my chest. I move my arms like this. I start taking steps like this. I go to my like favorite <clears> Netflix, Netflix show, whatever it is to say, while I'm in here, I'm not torturing them on purpose. I'm going to use this time to recenter myself so that when I walk out or when I open the door, it's not, why do you need me still or, oh, or whatever it is, it's mm-hmm. I'm better. How are you doing? Oh, I'm so sorry. I know I needed that time and you were struggling with that. Oh, I love you. What can we do? And I'm feeling refreshed and re-energized by that time away. Or even just momentarily stable. And mm-hmm. I think so much about this too is not just how we respond to the This could moment, be like a minute. But how we... <laughs> later process what's been going on and seeing these Mm -hmm. patterns. And that's what I've been noticing lately because we're doing this unschooling, we're all home again. And I'm like, what are the times of day that I don't do well when they're not doing well, when we're all needing each other and I'm needing a way, how can we create a routine around this so that I can create a loving boundary that's part of the rhythm of our home that says, so then you do Legos or whatever it is and whatever. And this is when I sit with my coffee and I have my alone time out on the patio or whatever it is and where I'm creating those points so that it doesn't get to the point where I have to lose my shit because I need to be alone. And I'm being taken by surprise by mm-hmm. this, this urge and this need, how can I parse this information out and say, where are the needs here? And how can we find a way to meet everyone's needs? Just like we would in an office or with a partnership, be like, Oh, we need a date night or, Oh, he needs to take up the trash earlier or whatever mm-hmm. it is. We can post-mortem this. And say what can we do next time how can we preempt the drama that ensues when we're not conscious of what's going on in our lives with multiple people's needs in a home it's mm-hmm. a lot to be juggling and it's never going to be perfect right it's ongoing for sure yeah someone said bedtime routine in place sun still plays games every <clears> night when <throat> it comes time to lay down and go to bed We'll stand in his bed, try to climb out, keep saying he needs a snack, water, light on, mm-hmm. etc. Oh yeah, yeah, that's so tricky. And I think that's all good information. What what are they needing? What is this child needing? Right, four year old was a four year old. Um, did what's say. going on. You got the routine clearly. Routine now, just like we talked about a routine at the beginning of this. The peeing before bed thing. All of a sudden, not working. Child resisting routine. That's information to us. Why is my child resisting a routine and a transition that was before working okay? What's going on? Is it stressors in their day or this new transition of school or to caregiver or moving or whatever that's asking them? They, they just need a little more attention. They need a more time. They need more yeah. whatever. Or is this that they need a little more agency? Is this that they need more um nervous system stimulation where they need to get out their wiggles more oh it's been raining they haven't been doing their usual thing on the trampoline and at the park and then they get into bed and they're like kicking they can't stop kicking you're like what the fuck like let's stop your leg stop like holding it down Ah! but their bodies are telling them so follow your child's body is what i would say and i mean not just thirsty this this but they're needing something is it connection with you is it nervous system regulation is it to start a, a little bit, start earlier? Is it a little bit longer? Mm-hmm. What is it you being chiller? Cause you're just, you're anxious and being like, go the fuck to sleep because mm-hmm. I need to you know, hang with my partner or whatever it mm-hmm. is, right? What's at play here. And again, that's about accepting the situation for what it is and getting curious about it so that you can work on it. Mm-hmm. That's the work a lot. Bedtime is hard. Bedtime is so loaded. Our partners are doing it right now. And we love you. Thank you. Um, I always bring bedtime back to this issue of consent that most parenting resources don't even talk about bedtime as consent. And it is. And I think that it's also about abuse prevention. It's also about body positivity Mm -hmm. and connectedness to body. And I think that when I can think about my kid's bedtime as abuse prevention and connecting themselves to their body, I'm so much more willing personally to invest the time in helping them wind down. Right? So think forward, think, okay, my child at some point, maybe will want to be partnered up. Who is this partner that I want for them? I want them to have a partner that says, what do you need? How can I serve you? Does this feel good to you? Whatever we're about to engage in. What do you need? How you doing? And that is the relationship that we can be building right now with our kids at bedtime. What are you needing do you need to move your body do you need a back rub do you need a little dry brushing do you need alone time do you need space do you need it darker do you need water all of these things that feel like obstacles and impediments to us getting free for the day like in our kids just going to sleep such a conflict of interest all right here. but it doesn't have to be yeah. if we're thinking about it from this consent like based learning Frame. framework right what do you need if I think of myself going into bedtime instead of I need to get the fuck out of here as quick as possible and instead thinking of this as this is the bedtime spa where I might have some boundaries and some limits that have right. to happen but I'm going to go into there saying what can I do for you based on you your need, package you need a little that you have signed a little, on to right, little don't stuff don't going worry. on here that feels so do good need, oh my god do you need stop. a little panini pressing <laughs> with a pillow just like oh oh right some get some laughter out oh like yeah. that's so good for kids i think with like babies we're always like wind down we're doing shh, the, the shh but like at a certain age we're like our kids shh, actually need to get that shit out yeah. just like we do as adults we got to laugh it out we've got to you know like work it out it out we've got to sex it out we've got to do all the things to like regulate our nervous system mm-hmm. so we can be like oh, okay let go yeah and, and i see my those, body i think it, 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 i'm bringing it back to that comment you made about stress and how stressful situations can contribute to a struggle with bedtime letting go yeah. falling asleep let, letting it's go separation is a separation those times that we go through something yeah. if we have a partner or if we don't just those moments where i'm like i just need more i just i want to be in bed with my netflix or i want you can you just stroke my head while i fall asleep for these few nights or just Tell me all the reasons that today was actually good because it feels like it wasn't good, Mm -hmm. right? Those are the things our kids need too, and we can be building that awareness with them. We can be saying, "How was your day? What What was the worst? What was the best? Do you want to talk real stuff, or we could talk fairy? Can I tell you a story about whatever, or no story? Maybe a little music. You know what? A little rub. You know what? We're past story time. It's so late, but I can give you some rubs. What kind of rubs do you want? right? And I have my little earbud in listening to my thing. If I need to, if I'm like feeling like I might scream, I might have a little story going or a podcast on my own earbud where I say, I need to be quiet now. If you want me to stay, I can stay. Otherwise I'll go. And they're like, stay. I'm like, okay. So here's what I'm willing to do. Here's how I'm willing to support you in this moment. And that's a boundary thing too, which is really important that we don't bend backwards beyond our capabilities or willingness for another person. We're modeling that also. To say, this is what I can do for you right now. I'm here for you, I love you. I love you and I wanna be in this bedtime thing, but here's what I'm willing to give. It's incredible modeling for our kids entering intimate relationships in the future, right? Yeah. Someone says, piggybacking on the potty went above. My four-year-old boy is not going on the potty. I haven't tried to push it too hard. Don't wanna shame him, but he needs to start preschool and he's a big kid. Everyone's a little kid inside. So mm-hmm. I don't I just wanna always reiterate that. We don't ever wanna tell our kids, You're a big kid now, you need to expise. It's a lot of expectation, a lot of pressure. Yeah. And pressure is not needed for potty training because that inhibits Potty training from happening. Pressure right? and control yeah. inhibit most everything from happening. Including other bodily functions like pooping. Yeah. Pooping. Yeah, for sure. And it's hard. And then there's the pressure of kindergarten that they're putting mm-hmm. on you or preschool or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So it's really hard to be like, dude, get this shit together, literally, mm-hmm. because I need you to be in another place. Yeah. And It's hard do being it. the mom where you're like, I'm probably the mom or the dad um, of the one child mm-hmm. that's still pooping their pants at school. Make a badge. <laughs> Take a little ownership. Take some pride. I'm not going to force or shame my kid into doing something to make it easy for the teachers. I'm going to meet them where they are. That's my job, mm-hmm. right? It's hard, but yeah. that's our job. And again, getting curious, I'd say, mm-hmm. finding out what's, it, what's the inhibition? Is it they need a smaller toilet? They need a toilet in a different place? They need it to be on their terms, on their time? How, what do they need? Can needing? your child pee or poop? in the sink tub or yard, because that's really helped us. I'm just saying someone said, yes, I'm learning and healing. My parenting journey has brought my husband and I closer together because we are learning about why we are the way we are and what our triggers are. Oh yeah. I love that shout out for therapy. Mm -hmm. We We have to high five. Yeah, So great. This has been really Any fun, everybody stuff going on. Someone said, do you have feelings on the benefits or drawbacks of pursuing a diagnosis for mm-hmm. a child? The OT says it might help us understand our daughter's behavior better. Hmm. Lauren, I, I feel like you did a sticker for us recently mm-hmm. and we didn't get to it um, in our like stories Q&A. So thank you for asking that again. Yeah. I don't know, like we have, we've never pursued diagnoses for our kids, so we can't speak from a personal place, Mm -hmm. but from the work we've done with reading and training, I think, I mean, diagnoses are um, uh, like accumulation of symptoms that help, like you said, parents understand their kids better and get them the help that they need personally, professionally, all the things. Mm -hmm. And I think there are a lot of ways to get your kids the help they need personally, professionally, and it doesn't always have to come from a diagnosis to a lot of families and a lot of people that can really help. Okay. It's not my Mm -hmm. kid's fault. It's not my fault. Mm -hmm. No one's wrong here because we're all brought up in that binary Mm -hmm. context of, of right and wrong and victim and aggressor. But I think that, I think we can also continue to see our kids on a vast spectrum of diversity and say, we have to treat every child um, in the way that they need to be supported regardless of where they are based on our other child, our neighbors, kids, our families, kids, all of those things. And I think it, it is great to consult an OT, mm-hmm. a PT, um, a doctor, um, uh, so many other different consultants and experts because they have information on it. And I think so much about a diagnosis is getting access to those people. Mm-hmm. So that can be really important. Um, but I think that the the route is unique to every family, and I don't feel like we can prescribe again um, some sort of way that's that's better or worse for any particular family. I think diagnoses can also be really anxiety inducing, really shame inducing, really mm-hmm. stressful, very binary that there's like a pathology at play, mm-hmm. and I think that we we tend to go toward that. There's no pathology, there's no right or wrong. The way my child is showing up is, is the way their nervous system and brain are today. Mm-hmm. And that we don't have to get them back to something more perfect or more conventional or more conformist. But our job is? Our job is to just accept them for who they are and work with the child that's in front of me. Um, whether that we're a parent, whether we're a professional or caring person mm-hmm. in their lives that's kind of our general take on it. Do you have thoughts? No, I agree. I think that in some ways diagnoses can, can help parents access resources they might not have gotten and might say there's nothing wrong with your child in a way that they should be changing, but how can it might give grace to the child in their situation? But likewise, it might also add more pressure to a parent to change their child or pathologize them mm-hmm. in a way that says they're not right or they're not enough. Yeah. So I think that we like to, like you said, think about all ki- kids basically as sensitive and spirited on a spectrum. We like to think about our kids' neurodiversity, their temperament diversity, their, their sense of self as on this huge spectrum of needing support. And how can we find ways diagnosis or not to support that as, as opposed to change that, mm-hmm. right? To support them, be working ourselves to build skills to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. and spectrum not as in like good bad mm-hmm. or less than more than or anything of just diversity like literally a circle of diversity and it's a spectrum for yeah. parents of mm-hmm. i've got this because i have more skills built in these areas To i don't have the skills needed to be able to support this kid it's not just a child being put on a spectrum of mm-hmm. needing more support to needing less support but it's parents Mm-hmm. being on that same spectrum, which really? isn't as common, which isn't yeah. as that we as, talk about yeah, yeah, as open. And I think that our spirited kids club is often less challenging kids with parents who struggle more with their skills or more challenging kids with, with parents who have pretty good skills, but the kid is really challenging to them mm-hmm. and it all being on a spectrum of, of the child and parent and, and kind of trying to reconcile that chemical reaction, mm-hmm. um, and make it work for both of them so that right. they both can be feeling good and building skills and learning and feeling connected and, um, just keeping that relationship strong. Yeah. Right. Hope that makes sense. Everybody. <sighs> I think we're going to wrap it up here. We <clears> had one <throat> last good one that I think you'll really want Hannah. Hmm. What, someone what, what, what. said, uh, someone said they dealt with mold also oh, reach out. <laughs> unschooling I think I saw yeah Yeah. unschooling and mold no someone said I'm having trouble seeing it but someone said that their child for five weeks in a row has resisted going to school Mm. and they're really struggling about it Mm -hmm. mm-hmm And they said that school takes me away from you and you make me go. He's angry that I make him go to school. Oh, how old is this? Six child? year old Six begging year and crying old. every night not to go. Oh, and it breaks your God. heart. <clears throat> yeah. We, we lasted seven school days with our kids, uh, at a public charter school that was purportedly really hands on, really small, um, really child focused, um, and my daughter was the same, not crying every night, but like clearly telling me, I don't like this. I'm anxious. I feel anxious. I don't, I, they don't let me think that she was able to, she's older. She's seven. She was like, I don't, I don't, I feel like my whole day stacked. I don't have any time to myself. I can't see my cousins or my brother They're telling me what to write about, They're telling me what to write about, what to think about, how to think about it. I don't like it. They're giving me time math tests and math worksheets and it makes me feel stressed. I, I used to like math and Montessori, and now I hate math. I'm not good at math. And it, it broke my heart. And and she was able to tell me what she didn't like. My son, who's five, wasn't able to tell me what he liked or didn't like as, as easily. Um, so I could just kind of piece things together. But I think so much about this is saying, how can we keep trusting what our kids are showing us and telling us? And not saying we're immediately pulling the plug on on school or yeah. on toothbrushing or on grandparent visits or on mm-hmm. um whatever we're doing we've instigated and, and prepared but realizing that our kid has a right to to consent and dissent mm-hmm. around their schooling around their hygiene around their bedtime around right. their food mm-hmm. around all of these things And that we have to pay attention to what they're saying and get curious around Mm -hmm. why they're saying it, what's going on for them. My seven-year-old was able to very clearly say why she didn't like public charter school. So it made it very clear to me, damn, this is not working. Yeah, my son was less verbal about it, but he He was like, yeah, he said something like the third, fourth day. Maybe he said, I don't like learning. And I was like, if this is what you think learning is and you don't like it, this is problematic. And I yeah. want to know more about that. I want to understand it. And he resisted all, all eight days, except for one yeah. that he just walked in and waved. It was the second day. Yeah. It's been hard. Like, how can we basically think about our parenting as take whatever the thing is and then say consent based and yeah. put that thing consent based hygiene, consent based learning, consent based chores, consent based cleaning up consent-based nourishment, mm-hmm. consent-based sleep, uh, whatever it is, how can we be aligning with our ideals um, in these moments, especially that are around, like we've talked about other live Q A's and podcasts around other institutions like mm-hmm. medicine and going to the doctor, going to school, these moments when we, as parents are stricken, thinking, I'm going to get in trouble. I'm getting like, I'm doing wrong. If we're not folding in and, conforming and being obedient in these ways. Yeah. And I think that those are the moments that we talked, maybe check out two podcast episodes ago or a couple videos ago Mm -hmm. of, um, school stuff. How can we be that advocate for our kids so they can become a self-advocate and an advocate for others? Mm -hmm. How can we question the institutions, even the ones that are so familiar in our lives and then challenge them? I think it's a huge part question and challenge, whether it's, going to grandma and grandpa's, whether it's going to the doctor, whether it's going to school, school is like school. It's so familiar. Question it it and challenge it, question and challenge everything, especially when your kids are saying, I don't want to do that. I don't feel good about that. I don't like that. Trust in their resistance. Right? Yeah. Um, it's such a big thing to, to, I think we were conditioned as parents to think, don't doubt yourself, trust your intuition, right? And I think that, yes, we have so many amazing instincts and intuition as parents and experience, but I think it's okay to question those things and no one gives us permission to question ourselves, question your kid's relationship to school, question your kid's relationship to your, your parents or your in-laws question your involvement in their relationship with their own body, <clears throat> basically create cognitive dissonance constantly, <laughs> constantly sit in the in shit and play in the gray of this it's terrible so soup of constantly questioning yourself while holding grace yeah. that you're doing well, that you're doing your best, that it's okay basically to live and breathe in this limbo of not always having the answer mm-hmm. and that being okay. Yeah. That has to be okay. And that's the gift we can give our kids mm-hmm. is to say, I don't know. You don't know. Mm-hmm. We don't need to know. We can feel our way through this and that's enough. Yeah. We can figure this out together. Yeah. And for us with our kids, it took eight days of schooling to mm-hmm. realize based on who our kids were, based on what our values were, wasn't going to work. Right. Yeah. And other people will take longer weeks, months, years, to figure that out and talk through that with their child and their circumstances. We have that privilege where we can be home with our kids. So we could say, fuck you charter school. You're staying home with us and you're unschooling again, everybody. Yeah. Right. So that's a privilege we have that we don't, not everybody has. Mm -hmm. So we all have these constraints, but we can stay close to our kids throughout all of it and explain to them, hear them, hold them, see them, Mm-hmm. and then continue what we need to be continuing as we're figuring out what's next. Yeah, we, we, it's a lot. And you're we, not alone. We can't always yeah. be in control of everything that's going on in our kids' lives, yeah. but we can be their safe place to process that. Yeah. Right. That's if nothing, can we be that place? Someone said, this is my first time watching, and I'm so happy to be here. You all are so my people. Yay. Someone said, I really, really appreciate you and everyone here. It really does make this journey easier to know we're not alone. Mm -hmm. I do often feel like such a freak for being this way. It's nice to to belong somewhere. Yeah, you bet. Someone said, fuck yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And stay curious. Yeah. The power of acknowledging that we don't know is freeing. Yes. I love that. Mm -hmm. And I think I love that. Like just to wrap it up with that topic of belonging, can we create a family culture of belonging? It can that be just our goal to show our kid that no matter what they do, no matter how they show up, they belong and to then take that advice for ourselves. Mm -hmm. No matter what I do, no matter how I show up, I belong. Mm -hmm. Can that be the the main thread through all of our interactions, not just in those good Mm -hmm. moments, but especially in those hard moments, how can we be showing I'm struggling with this or when you did this, it was hard, but still conveying you belong, or I did this and I'm mad, but I know I belong, right? Mm-hmm. You're enough. I'm enough. We're enough, right? Mm-hmm. We don't have to know all the things. My child doesn't have to know all the things we don't have to know all the things to be secure. We can still have security in our homes, not knowing everything and having everything figured out. It's all about how we roll through those moments. That's what we talk about. The mantras, the phrasing, Mm -hmm. right? Our role, right? That's our work. If we can believe, like back to the belief goal role, if we can believe that everything our kids are throwing at us is, is worth something, is valuable, is their right to express, then our goal can then be, to support that, Mm -hmm. right? And to value that and to move through things in relationship instead of at odds. And then our role can be that sensitive support staff, right, who strives against all of our conditioning, right? To be alongside, to be neutral, to be loving, even with those firm limits or boundaries, right? That's our goal, that belief role goal goal role and then that role that we approach our kids with becomes their inner voice and the role they approach to themselves to others and that's how it perpetuates that's how history happens right we're a part of history right now we can take what we like we can leave the rest and we can start a new history in our homes right now with our kids in these challenging moments so thank you all for being here and doing that critical work it's such privilege work. We're so grateful to be here talking about this with you all. Mm-hmm. Um, we'd love to connect with you more. Um, we haven't been on a whole lot, but we've got our Spirited Kids Club starting in October, uh, Tuesdays at 10 a.m. We've got a couple more spots. Yeah, a couple more spots. So let us know if you have any questions. We're always here. Yeah, um, we also do one on one coaching. Yeah, um, we're around. Yeah. We've got guides in our shop, so check that out. If you're struggling with sibling stuff or big feeling stuff. Yeah. We're little things. You're not alone. Yeah, you're doing an amazing job. We're here, we're alongside you. We're all growing up together. Thanks for being here. We'll see you next week. See you next week.